Hey, this is Sebastian the Jet. You are listening to Soccer Subs. This is Jordan Stewart, and you're listening to Soccer Sub. Go listen. Hey, this is Rob Stone from Fox Sports. You are listening to the Soccer Subs Podcast. The Soccer Subs Podcast. It's game on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, episode 67. My name is Ronnie, and I'm joined here with my two Soccer Subs co-hosts, Christian and Voss. And fellas, before I throw it over to you guys, let me just give a quick shout out to our two show sponsors, Paragon Sports, your premier destination for activewear, located down on 18th and Broadway. Go check them out for all your running needs, basketball, soccer, baseball equipment. Give them a follow at Paragon Sports on Instagram. And our second show sponsor, Taqueria 86. We mention them all the time. An amazing soccer team. Mexican restaurant located at 94th and Broadway here in Manhattan. Go check them out for some amazing tacos, burritos, drinks, tequila. Give them a follow at Taqueria NY on Instagram. And fellas, now that that's out the way, how you guys doing? Christian, we're heading to Nashville this weekend. We're halfway through July. Happy birthday to Eric. A lot going on. How you guys doing? Yes, Ronnie, we're going to have an impromptu trip to Nashville. We're going to see probably debut of Chiellini and Gareth Bale. I'm super excited. But before we talk about that, Let's just share something that I wanted to say since last weekend. Finally, New York City FC and DC United have something in common. They both got smashed by seven goals by an Eastern Conference team. I'm super excited to talk about that. It's an MLS All-Star week because we're going to talk about the players that got selected. I mean, we have a special guest who is an MLS All-Star for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us today. Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast. Thank you guys. Episode 67. I'm glad to be back. We have an incredible guest. We got El Parcero. We have a birthday for our, our friend Eric. Unfortunately, couldn't be here, but thankfully, he's enjoying himself. But guys, I'm looking forward to speaking to the upcoming New York Derby. We had El Capitan this past weekend. We had a Trafico rivalry week, and MLS is kicking off. And I can't wait to discuss all this action from this past week, guys. Appreciate it, Voss. And yeah, for the MLS fans, we got a big show coming up for you guys today. We got a special guest joining the show in just a few minutes. He's a German professional footballer who's played for the Schalke 04 reserve team and the Warsberger Kickers. He's now a defender for the Philadelphia Union, wearing number 27 in the back line. We're really excited to have him on. His name is Kai Wagner. You've probably heard of him from the Philadelphia Union. He's coming up in just a few minutes. Really excited to talk to him. He's definitely been a player that we've been keeping an eye out for. And of course, we got a special guest joining us here on our episode. One of our good friends, John Zapata, a.k.a. Parcero Philly, our guy, John so great to have you on with us, man. Almost 20 episodes ago. How you doing, man? And really great to talk Philadelphia Union with you, man. Thank you so much for having me back on. It's crazy. It's, it feels like it was yesterday I was on the show, but uh, I'm excited. And, and this time I'm paired up with Kai Wagner of all all-star fullback. I'm super excited. But guys, thank you so much. And I'm excited to talk about my Philadelphia Union. Appreciate it, John. And yeah, before we get into Philadelphia Union, just some MLS news to get into since we last recorded last week. Biggest news coming out of MLS right now, Wayne Rooney, officially the new head coach for DC United. That is official announced today. We had ourselves El Trafico this past weekend, LAFC beating LA Galaxy 3-2 to at the Bank of California Stadium. Christian, two goals by Ecuadorian, Jose Cifuentes. What a game. We had ourselves a Texas Derby. Hector Herrera debut as well. Houston Dynamo time with FC Dallas 2-2. Heck of a game. And as well, we got Toronto FC continuing to make moves, signing Mark Anthony Kay from the Colorado Rapids and terminating Carlos Salcedo. That's, that was big news coming out this week as well. And on our backyard, NYCFC beating New England 4-2 at home. 
Bruce Arena was not happy. I know he was trash talking our stadium, our field, and the New York Red Bulls tying 1-1 with FC Cincinnati this past weekend. And news coming out of the club, Ashley Fletcher, his loan officially ending as of this week. So yeah, a lot going on this week. And I mean, John, thank you so much for being on with us, man. I mean, crazy to think that we had you on 20 episodes ago. We were talking, I remember preseason, you know, since then a lot's happened. How you been feeling about your Philadelphia Union? I know NYCFC and the Red Bulls are fighting for that top position. What's been your analysis of the season so far? How you feeling about your team, man? Well, obviously right now I'm feeling really good after thumping DC 7-0, but no, I mean, like before that, it really was just kind of a lull play with the Philadelphia Union, and this happens, and this is why, like I always iterate the fans, is just be a little patient, because before this DC freaking thumping that they did, uh, there was a little bit of run of draws. Like they had so many draws that was coming in the run of play. It was just getting way too much for anyone, any fans liking, and that was kind of the issue. When you had nine draws on the season, they had more, they have currently more draws than they do have wins. So that was kind of the narrative of the team. Like we know that they, we know the quality of this club. We know how strong they are defensively, but you need to get started getting victories. I mean, when you're drawing against the likes of Inter Miami, you lose Chicago midweek, it kind of felt like this team was in it, like with their feet stuck in the mud, right? So Friday night against DC definitely felt good because you felt like they were getting into the run of things. But right now, I think what we need is for this attack to start clicking on all cylinders. You know, you got gas. NASDAQ with Uwan Karansa as your two forwards there. And it's been taking a minute for them to get that engine going. But I, I think that what you saw on Friday, obviously, besides the fact that DC kind of laid the goose egg, but you saw the confidence coming up with this team. You saw how Karansa got a hat trick. You saw how Gazek was able to kind of thread the needle. And Uwan was able to get comfortable, which is very, very important. And so they have to keep it going. Obviously, on Wednesday night, they have a, a tough one. They have to go down to Miami, which LS road matches in MLS is never easy let alone talk about the travel of these MLS matches, which you two are about to do this upcoming weekend. So it'll be tough, but for the union, now what I want to see is them to string together quality performance after quality performance. Let's get three wins in a row. I think we talked about before the preseason, last thing I want is that number one seed. And right now we're, we're headed in that. So that's what I want to keep doing. Just keep Continue the good play. And of course, stay away from that one seed, please. Abort, abort. John, one of the first things that I wanted to touch on was the team itself, because like you mentioned, they are the team with the best defense in MLS. But I did get a chance to watch a couple of the games with Philadelphia Union, and I think that they're very aggressive attacking. I think they were having problems scoring multiple goals. I think that's something that you mentioned on your show as well. Apart from that, I mean, let's point out the good things about this team. One of the things that ESPN analysis talked about was the consistency and the amount of players that start all over again. Like, it's repeatable every single time. There are at least six players from the union team who start for this union team. What can you tell us about the positive things about the union? No, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, obviously, defensively, it's really where it all starts. I mean, you look at the, who's defending the goal. I mean, Andre Blake's, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in this league, and he's fronted by one of the strongest walls with Wagner, Elliot Glesnes, and Harriel. And the ability of having Wagner and Harriel kind of – you're solidified both fullbacks. It's just something we haven't really had. Before, you had Olivier Baiza, who struggled getting back in defense. And then before that, you had Ray Gaddis, who we all love, great veteran leadership, but he didn't provide the attack on out wide. So besides the fact that those two are able to attack going up the pitch, they're also able to defend it, and it's been really strong. So currently right now, the Union have only allowed 13 goals through their first 19 matches. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that's freaking ridiculous to hear. And that's a lot to do with the system that is in place, and also to I mean having that compact midfield kind of stifling things for opposing attacks. 
And so that's kind of what you're seeing right now. And that's really the emphasis of this union team. And obviously up top with that high press, they're able to force a lot of teams into a lot of mistakes, especially forcing those back lines into a lot of mistakes. One thing, and you've heard Matt Doyle kind of emphasizes their ability to attack space. They seem to always be ahead of the game when they're out there on the pitch. And that's been a lot of the reason why they've been so successful. Understanding the spaces, creating those turnovers, and then getting on that counterattack. The one thing that the union have been struggling with is at times, look, we know you, you're good at, at pressing. We know you're good at defending, but at times you're, you need to possess the ball. And I think that's the one thing you saw on Friday night against DC, why they were so successful. They possessed the ball. There was a good flow of, of play. They were 83% in accuracy of passing and they were also, they also won the possession battle. It's something you haven't heard this entire season. They had 55% of possession. So there are times where you're going to need to play that union style of soccer, physical, defensive oriented, but there are going to be times when you need to change things up and you need to possess the ball. And I think that's what the union are starting to figure out. But this is a really good team. I mean, the attack seems to be there. You seem to have the pieces. Now we just need to, to keep the ball rolling. That's all it is. But yeah, this is a good team, man. I like that. I mean, especially for me, my favorite goal, apart from the bicycle kick, was the third goal because you saw movements with the ball and off the ball. And I think even the dummies were like, this guy's been playing forever, for years. And they look so simple, but at the same time, reverse passes, crosses to the box, and uh, Julian Carranza score. I think those are one of the things that perhaps the team hasn't been able to do before, and now they are able to do it against DC United. That's a good point right there. The issue as well has been the final third. Like, they haven't struggled getting up the pitch. But in the final third, when things shrink up, how are you able to create shots? And that's been one of the struggles as well. I will say this. It did feel like after like 10 minutes, DC kind of looked a little bit defeated. They kind of felt like this game was a little bit out of their hands. And then you saw the Union kind of just attack. They really had an attack mentality on Friday. And that's really why you saw the dominating performance that it was. But I agree. That's the thing that they need to continue doing, making those runs. I mean, on that goal, are you talking about the one where Carranza kind of like heel flipped it in and he, as he was falling? That was great. Like, Gazdag understood the space that was inside the box. He lightly threw that up, tapped that in there in a great spot. Leon Flock attacked the ball, crossed mm -hmm. it in, and that was really great. And Leon Flock, someone that I've been killing because I love the kid. He's a young kid. He's like 21, 22 years old now. He obviously works his butt off, and that has not been the knock on him. He's great defensively. He knows how to get back and help defensively. The problem is, like, I don't know if it's a, if it's a fear of his or just, just being a little timid, but we need him to be more involved in that final third, especially when you're talking as a shuttler. There have been times where you haven't had that link-up play from the back to the front, especially on the left-hand side. And even when you looked at Friday, a lot of the, the attack was coming through the right side because Harriel, Harriel got behind the back line quite a bit. I mean, I think you guys saw the missed opportunity he had. Yeah. He, he's definitely going to want that back. But even Alejandro Bedoya was a man possessed. And another way they, they're really good at being able to attack, the ability with the long ball. When you have Jack Elliott, when you have Jacob Glazes, and you have Bruno Martinez, who are able to chip balls from the top and find those open guys. And, and obviously you have forwards who are able to make great runs. Just to mention something quickly, Brujo Martinez, that first of all, that first goal, right? That lot pass to Alejandro Bedoya, yeah. it was almost immediate. But there is a clip where immediately, as soon as he recovers the ball, Kai Wagner is running down the flank. Yep. Like, th this is kind of like a no-brainer. They already know that this guy can lot passes to you and 
already immediately get on the third zone of the field. Who do you credit that to? Is that mostly the talent of the player or is that Jim Curtin imposing this style for this team? Well, a little bit both. I mean, you have guys who have some pace. I mean, both fullbacks definitely have some pace, but it's when the union have the ball and especially off a turnover, when the union have the ball, it's immediately boom, let's jet down to the other end of the pitch. And that's really something that you can credit to both the talent that we have, the talent that we put together, and obviously the philosophy of, of play. And of course, like I said, when you have guys who are able to pinpoint those long passes, it really does help. And that's some things that you want to continue seeing implement because this team just needs to find different ways of attacking the ball. And you do have different ways of doing it. Yeah, I think you guys have a lot of incredible pieces, whether it's on the wing, whether it's the, the play of Captain Alejandro Bedoya, just like you highlighted. I was actually just going to mention him beforehand. And also great input from uh, Christian with all those attacking pieces. And especially with Flock, I know you mentioned the shuttler position. I have also seen that he sometimes tends to pass the ball a little bit too safe. You know, he's not trying to like break a line down the middle or towards Gazda. He tries to go to the wings, you know, try to get some of that help from either Bedoya or Harriel. But with the union also having tied a MLS record of scoring five goals in a single half, I think the last time it was done was Seattle against San Jose on September 10th, 2020. Do you think it's something that they could keep on producing? Because I know sometimes all you need is a team is that one result to try to catapult your season and get the ball rolling. Much like the Red Bulls at the end of the season last year, they barely made the playoffs, but they were on such a great run of form. They couldn't score, but once they did, it was almost impossible to not. So I think this is one of those breakout games that Philadelphia really needed. Mm -hmm. As you highlighted as well, they hadn't scored a single goal. I mean, more than two goals in a single game throughout the entire season. So it was just a matter of time before it happened. And what an opponent to do against. I love seeing DC United lose, especially by a <laughs> touchdown. I love it, man. It's incredible. We definitely love it, too. Now, listen, DC United aside, I mean, the opponent is what it is. You have to play what's in front of you. I think that more importantly, that result created some confidence. And I think that's the important part. You found a way to attack on the pitch as well by holding on to the ball and creating some possession. And look, the key part of this team going forward is your big three up top. It's Gazdak with Uwan Caranza, like I mentioned. So we need to get those guys on the ball. And I think that you got all of them in, into it. Surprisingly enough, Gazdak didn't score a goal and he has been our leading goal scorer. I think uh, Caranza now put him himself in a good second place spot, but no, just continuing that run of form. When you get that counterattack going, feeding the ball through Gazak, Gazak knows how to thread the needle. And I really do believe Uwa can really change this league around. I think he can be one of those killer strikers that we have in this league. Fitness has been an issue. He hasn't played more than 65 minutes in a match, or I think, I think he got to 70 at one point. But either way, like he can't complete a full entire match, and that's been a concern as well. When you come in straight to this league, coming from your other league that you literally you didn't have a break, that's definitely tough, and that fitness has definitely been tough. It sucks that we don't have Karansa tomorrow because obviously Friday he was he scored a hat trick and he looked fantastic. But obviously the freaking lone rule, he can't play against his former club or his current club, however you want to say. But it definitely sucks. But the emphasis right now has to be those big three, like I mentioned. I know we talked about about a lot of the pieces that didn't happen to score, but someone who definitely stood out was Corey Burke, and I think it's someone who has often stood out this season, whether it's off the bench or in starting role. So is there any other Philadelphia Union player that you can possibly highlight that is still making a big impact regardless of the the minutes that he's been playing? Because I know Gazdak, he can't complete a 90. So it's I think partially he's been playing internationally. He's been playing 
with the union consistently. So it's due for a burnout. So having guys like Burke, I think, is always an incredible little thing to have in your back pocket. But who is another player that you can possibly highlight? Well, I'll say this. I'm going to say players, because when we look at the homegrowns for this team, they're really important for what we're trying to do going forward down the line past the season. And I think that during the run where the kids were over with the U-20s and congratulations to those kids, you can clearly tell how thin we were. We really lacked the bench. I mean, you're putting out Matt Rial. You're putting out a, a kid who just graduated from Drexel University as another forward and Chris Donovan. So those kids are really, really important as far as depth goes going down the line. They really impressed for the U-20s. So these kids are going to be really important going down the line. And listen, we all love Jim here, right? But the one thing I, I always just question is, is the rotation, the lack of rotation, especially when you got guys like Alejandro Bedoya, who I would love to give him some rest. I know Ali likes to play there all the time, but love Ali fresh for the playoffs. So these kids, Paxton Aronson, Quinn Sullivan, Jack McGlynn, now you can lump in Brandon Craig. You saw Stuart Finley getting sold because of the fact that Craig stepped up with the U-20s and they said, well, why don't we give this kid some more minutes? And and so you got McGlynn, you got Sullivan, and you got Paxton and. I think that you just need to see more of those guys, but those kids are going to be big coming off the bench. And those are kids that you really need to keep an eye out. Paxton, as you guys know, a little bit different than his brother. I think Paxton's a little bit more creative. He's got a little more raw talent as well. He still has a lot, a lot of developing to go. Quinn, literally a Swiss Army knife. They continue to play him as a shuttler coming off the bench for Ali Bedoya. To me, he's best suited as a forward. I'm sure you guys saw the bicycle kick in Chicago. He's got the talent to play up there. And Jack is a great, creative, uh, old-school regista. Problem is, we're going to run a 4-2-3-1. And you don't really have a position to play him because you put him at the shuttler. You know, he's great in the attack, but he's not that fast to get back on defense. And you got, you know, uh, midfielders who are fast as all heck in this league. And so he struggles at that point. So keep an eye on those kids because those kids are only going to get better. And it's clear that the FO wants to put more responsibilities on those kids. So keep an eye out for them. And that's definitely, I think, the proper way to try to move a club forward. Using your youth academy, getting the best out of guys like Paxton Harrison, James McGlynn. It's incredible to see because both the Red Bulls and Philly, I think, stack up that youth 20 squad that finally made an Olympic team. I know Daniel Edelman is the captain. Caden Clark's a part of it. So it's, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, those guys actually getting meaningful minutes in the MLS. But boss, it's a big part of growing our league. Like you see what Union did, like you see how they sold Brendan, they sold Mark, and now they just sold Jack DeVries as well to Venezia. But being able to get that money from the sales, investing it back in your club, adding pieces back to your team, creating a championship culture. And I think that's how we're going to be able to build this league. Look, we're not the Premier League. We don't have millions and millions and millions of dollars to dump on a Erling Haaland. Like, that's not going to happen here in the MLS. But you can find maybe the next Erling Haaland here in this league and selling them off to Europe. Europe will always be the pinnacle. That's never going to change. But there is ways to making this league not only entertaining, but also having successful clubs in our league. And obviously clubs like the Union, the Red Bull, Dallas, and don't look too far, guys. Miami is going to be that next academy that's going to be putting out some serious talent as well, so keep an eye out. Can't forget RSL, too. I feel like yeah. they don't get enough love sometimes. RSL is uh, one of the leaders, you know, from the early days. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's just incredible stuff with the, with the youngsters of the league. And how I think the next step now is hopefully the teams that – I know the Red Bulls, for example, got an $8 million 
bonus from the sale of Tyler Adams to Leeds with the, the sell-on clause, the percentage that they had when they sold him to RB Leipzig. And I know Aronson also with the union got a good chunk of change, you know, yeah. with the sale from Salisbury to Leeds. So Major it's just Leeds now. Major soccer, man. Major Leeds. Yeah, man. <laughs> I heard they're bringing in Chris Richards possibly too. So it's like American Leeds United, you know? I got to love it. Jim it's Curtin like the, the assistant manager. Like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> they got Armas in the gang, too. So it's like the old Chicago Fireboys all going to join up. John, I, I just wanted to ask you real quick. Yeah, you man. know, looking at the Eastern Conference, are you surprised that New York Red Bulls and NYCFC are fighting for that top spot? And also just wanted to ask you, what are your other teams in the East that you're kind of keeping an eye out for? And possibly even in the West, man. I know, you know, we're, we're more than halfway through the season. What are your other teams that you're kind of keeping an eye out for? Uh, to put them on the spot like that, right? Rodney, <laughs> remember, NYCFC is second, is not second place. Philadelphia Union is, just saying. <laughs> right, that's right. No, I, look, I, I think that what surprises me the most is just how tight the Eastern Conference has been. I mean, like, you look at just, like, the bottom of it. I mean, you got Charlotte, Cincinnati battling it out with 26 points each, and then you have Columbus, New England, uh, uh, Miami, and Atlanta below them as well. I mean, Atlanta's been just freaking ridiculous. And Toronto is right behind them. Obviously, listen, they're getting little Italy up there, and, and they're thinking that they're going to make a push uh, going on the season. So to me, the surprise has been how tight this Eastern Conference is. Definitely Red Bull competing in the top of the East this far in has definitely surprised me just a little bit. But no, I mean, that's just the nature of the Eastern Conference. I'm a little surprised NYCFC is, is still up top here only because I really thought that they would get rid of most of their pieces. I, I didn't think Tati Castellanos would still be here as well. But obviously, when you still have him here, I mean, you obviously have a chance. I would keep an eye on Montreal. Mahalovic has been balling out on a freaking different level and if you guys know me I, I love will for nancy i think he's an underrated manager that we have here in this league and so if they can just continue getting that production up top as far as their forwards and their attack goes i think they could be a, a definitely a team to be reckoned with one team that intrigues me in the western conference obviously i don't watch too much western conference soccer just because of my schedule and because the time difference essentially but this austin fc like I, i'm like baffled that they're still in second place of the western conference and would love to see what what's been working well for them obviously drusi has been like the surprise new signing in the league and obviously oriti's been there as well and they've been a good partnership but they've definitely been a bit of a surprise and i would love to sit down and watch an austin fc match man thank you for that john and i mean uh we do have a new york derby coming up this weekend Voss, let me just ask you real quick man how you feeling for the upcoming derby how you feeling for your red bulls and i know i'm sure you're excited i think christian's kind of said the same sentiment that ashley fletcher is no longer on the team and makes space for somebody else so funny story so i also walked dog mornings i was walking one of the puppers two days ago when i just so happened to run into one of the youth 19 coaches for the red bulls and i had to stop him and i was like am i gonna see you on the game on sunday and he happily said yes am i a red bulls fan and we got to talking about how the team needs a striker and with ashley fletcher being gone it's not even like we're missing out on anything. My man's was dead weight regardless. From the first 98 seconds he stepped on the field and made us practically lose three points at home against Columbus, I've said that he's been a stain on this squad. And Christian, I think, would happily agree. And something that I think he highlighted that was kind of interesting was the fact that the team, even though it seems like we need a striker, he says that every week in training, guys even like Tom Barlow are putting in performances and scoring certain wonder goals that make you have faith that these guys are going to turn it into game day form. Unfortunately, they have not been able to do that. But even with some of our guys mishitting, you know, left and right, we still got a, an all-star who isn't really an all-star, unfortunately, and Lewis Morgan. 
in Luquinhas. And going into this near this upcoming Hudson River Derby, I think we got the momentum on our, on our sides. I think we have a team that's, I said it from the beginning of the year, when your direct rivals win MLS Cup, much like Portland and Seattle, it like lights a fire under you because you don't want to have to hear from your direct rivals for way too long. Like we have an MLS Cup and you don't. So I tipped the Red Bulls to hopefully win MLS Cup. I kind of had said it as half a joke, but being half over halfway through the season, top of the East, I'm starting to believe it a little bit myself. So I'm just looking forward to the matchup since NYCFC did just come off of their first win under the new head coach. And it's going to be the matchup of the bald coaches. And I think uh, Struber is going to come out on top. And it should be a, an exciting match. The guys are going to be in, in Nashville. So I think I'm going to go uh, try to cover the match on my own. But hopefully we get a good turnout. That's another big thing. I know attendance numbers have recently come out. And the Red Bulls are not exactly in the higher end of that spectrum. So hopefully we have a good turnout. We have a great game and it should be a battle for the top of the East. If the union decide to just tie on the road, which I'm, I'm I think I'm seeing against inter Miami because they've been having a resurgence campañas, you know, going ham. Iguain, even though he's kind of another piece of dead weight can always produce some sort of magic off the bench. So I, I'm just hoping that those results kind of go our way and we'll stay at top of the East. Will they get, get past the great wall of Chester? That's the true question. For my New York City football club, I mean, I think that win against New England 4-2 was a much-needed three points. So I know we have a big game against FC Dallas, a midweek game, and then we got the New York Derby this upcoming weekend. But, John, before we kind of get to Kai Widener, I wanted to ask you, I'm sure you saw the MLS All-Star list came out. Really glad to see Andre Blake at goal as, as their top goalkeeper. Kai Widener coming back as well for his second time for, as an MLS All-Star. How are you feeling about the MLS All-Star list, man? Is, are there any other players that you're kind of happy for that kind of uh, stand out to you from that list? I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a little pissed off about it. <laughs> look, I have to be completely honest here. And, and, and look, Voss and Christian, no disrespect to Aaron Long. All right. He's a solid, solid center back. But we're talking about essentially the best center back duo in the MLS. Like I mentioned, 13 goals allowed through 19 matches. Yet we don't have any representation from those center backs. Well, that's great. I love Kai. And, and I'm glad that Kai got the recognition because he's truly been one of the best fullbacks in this league. But we're talking about the best center back duo in the MLS. And, and, and also, too, this is not really much on the union, but Reynoso, to me, is not an all-star. I'm sorry, but this season, not not an all-star. But that was my initial reactions on the, on the all-star. And beat Liga Mekis, please, please, for our league. I would have preferred yeah, Mihailovic yeah. over Reynoso any day of the week, man. Like, no, Mihailovic probably more than, than Zella Rayan. But, yeah, dude, there's a, b- a bunch of other options you could have gone with over uh, Reynoso. I do like Jack Elliott. Not like his personality itself. So he's like a silent leader to me, and I'm yeah. pretty sure he's well, very well respected in the locker room but as well. The thing is, Christian is they gave Elliott the midseason Defender of the Year award, and yet they don't put him in the All Star. Now I know this is a lot, you know, pushed by fan voting, and I understand all that. Repeat, their fans are gonna put their guys in there, but I believe some of it also has to do with executives as well, which is like. Y'all don't put Elliot or Glasses? <laughs> yeah, the, I know Don. I know Don Garber gets like one or two picks, and sort of the the coach also gets like you know five or eight picks besides the voting. So it's crazy <laughs> that sometimes you do see a coach try to like get a center back pairing like that to to be on the All Star team, but more often than not we don't. And I really don't like the fact that we're gonna have two guys that don't know how or haven't played with each other other than maybe Long and Zimmerman, but. With all-star games, you're not going to play the full 90. So I would yeah. like to have at least had the option of an Elliott partnership in the back line, maybe for a Tell second me. half, you know? 
To counter that point, though, like you're talking about two different styles with the Rebels. You know, the Rebels, they don't care if this gets scored four or five goals. They're going to risk it all, all the time. So that's the <laughs> only thing that I would say. All right. Aaron has been holding his own, coming back from an Achilles injury and actually helping the defense out. It definitely looks much better when he's not in the field. If he's not playing for the team, it's definitely a disaster for me and defense. Yeah, Vas, I was just going to ask you real quick. What other players on the list stand out to you before we get to Kai Wagner? I'm looking at that forwards list, man. Jesus Ferreira, Paula Riola, Rui Diaz as usual, Carlos Vela and Chicharito as expected. But how you feeling on the Look, other list? no bias over here, but fi- I can finally say there's a representation for every one of my countries in this all-star team because Taxi Funtas coming off of an incredible hat trick before he got destroyed, you know, by uh, the union. Glad this uh, baby great- is what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Raul Ruiz, mi gente, man. No, he had a really bad game against Portland, but I still think he's one of the most lethal strikers in the league. So seeing that partnership potentially up front with maybe a Paula Riola American number 10 pulling the strings, that's all that's all I want as a Greek Peruvian born in New York, you know? I just want an American number 10 and two strikers, one one Greek, one Peruvian. But no, in all seriousness, Brandon Vasquez deserved this all-star call-up. And unfortunately, he did score the first goal against my Red Bulls, friend of the show. But he's consistently been performing the entire season. I think it's one of the things that have made Cincinnati at least respectable. I don't want to say they're a top contender. They're a shoo-in for the playoffs, but at least respectable. And I know he's been getting some interest, supposedly from Chivas. And potentially, if they do get him, he would have to file the one-time international switch. And I know Mexico is in dire need of a number nine. And I think that's the state that they're in right now. They're literally looking at like a, a forward who I love Brandon Bass. I'm not trying to disrespect any of his work, but they're looking at a forward that the U.S. national team has never even sniffed around. Like that's the state of the Mexican national team. No, boss. Can you believe that Cincinnati wouldn't swap Sergio for Brandon Vasquez? Like, what, 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 what's up with that? Everybody's talking about forwards. I mean, you, you got Julian Carranza, and then New York City FC has Tati Castellanos. Cincinnati has Brandon Vasquez. But, I mean, you put Barlow and uh, Clemala in a blender and, and you will come even with half of any of these players, man. And, and, and in order to win this league, you need a forward. You need a forward and you need a goalkeeper. I mean, we keep saying this. It's no scientific fact. I mean, it's just you got to be decisive in these moments and we don't have it. So I'm just like you guys mentioned all these forwards. When is one of them going to be in New York? The problem is, if you get a forward, he's going to go to Leipzig or Salzburg. He's not going to go to New York. Yeah, that's the best question I've heard in a long time. That's great. We got to we gotta just enjoy Tati while he's here, by the way, from NYC, man. I know there's a lot of rumors that he's going to leave soon. It's just a matter of a couple of weeks or another few months. So yeah. yeah, no, uh, I know Kryn did mention that we've been highlighting a lot of the forwards. And unfortunately, I think one player, to show some love to NYCFC side, a player that's been very underrated, who I think helped acclimate this team post the coach leaving is Keaton Parks. Keaton Parks was on a phenomenal run of form. Even though NYCFC hadn't won since late May, he was, I think, their best player other than Maxi Morales because he was linking that midfield as that shuttler that was missing for a very long time for NYCFC throughout the tougher part of their season. So I think if he didn't get injured, he would have, I think, made this all-star team just off the back of the importance that he's been that he's had for that NYCFC team. And not that I'm surprised that Talis Magno's on it. I just don't know where he fits on this squad. As you know, we have a lot of number 10s and guys like Hani Mukhtar, Driussi. So it's going to be interesting if they have him as a winger or like a forward, a support striker. 
that was my my little bit of info on that. See, I wonder if he goes to Europe, like, would they do the Alfonso Davies to him, like, move him to fullback? Because obviously, you know, the modern day fullback, they have to get up and essentially already an inverted winger. So I wonder what will happen when he goes over to Europe. I mean, the dude's freaking talented of all hell, man. So it'll be fun to watch what he what happens in his career. I wonder if he's still gonna do the Rabonas that he does in the games. Nice. Yeah, seeing it up close is insane. Like the way that once he has open space and he just starts gliding from the left hand side, even as a Red Bulls fan, I gotta appreciate it, you know? It's really, really good. All right, fellas. Well, I want to say thank you guys so much for all your insight. Let's get to our special guest, a German professional footballer who's played for the Schalke 04 reserve team and the Warsburg Kickers. He is now the, a defender for the Philadelphia Union, wearing number 27 in the back line. Let's get to Mr. Kai Wagner. We're talking his career. We're talking his journey to MLS and really excited to talk to Kai. And he's coming up next. Let's go. All right, MLS fans, we got a special guest joining the show today. He's a German professional footballer who's previously played for the Schalke 04 reserve team and the Warsberger Kickers. He now wears number 27 as a defender for the Philadelphia Union. Oh man, it's a true pleasure to have him on the show. One of my favorite players. So please give a warm welcome to Mr. Kai Wagner. Bravo, Kai. Bravo. <laughs> What's up, What's up? Kai, such a huge pleasure. Thank you so much for being on with us. First things first from all of us, you know, how are you? How are you enjoying the MLS 2022 season? And just overall, what's been your take? What's been your analysis of the Philadelphia Union so far? How are you feeling halfway through the season of the MLS season? I feel good. I feel good. We are on the top of the table, so you almost can't feel better. Um, I think we do a lot of right things, but we also know that we can do a lot of things better, but especially... The win yesterday was a really big win, a huge win for us. And uh, now we can be happy um, where things stand right now. And Kai, of course, before we get to Philadelphia Union, before we get to MLS, we wanted to take it back to your early beginnings. We saw that you were you were born and raised in Germany. You know, we wanted to ask you, at what age did you realize that you could pursue a career in soccer? And what was it like growing up in Germany? When did you realize that you can go pro? I think you can't really realize. I think every small kid has a dream. And I was always a guy who had like grew up like in a soccer family. My whole family is all about soccer. My mother was playing soccer. My dad had his soccer shoes on and I have a young brother. He's playing for my local club at home, like just for fun. And uh, I mean, I grew up already in a family with soccer. And then I started really early, like I think already with three years to kick like the first time the ball went like already like in a small club in my hometown club. And then I had like coaches uh, who really pushed me, who always like said, um, you can get like much more than probably others of the team. And then I was already like playing always in the older ages um, straight from the beginning and moved straight like to my first bigger club, SSV Ulm, where I was like just getting into was like a 12 year old child who had to travel every day with the train, like 30 minutes in a big city where I was like a small village kid. Just had to go there every day to training straight after school. And yeah, I think that's when I grew up. And then with 18 years, um, I had like my first smaller contract in Ulm. And that's when I realized um, I can do a lot of things. Um, a lot of coaches were pushing me. And then um, I got a call after one year from Schalke. And I think that was like the thing when I thought about, yeah, okay, Maybe now it's the time I can do it or I just stay home and uh, find maybe a job or get like to work or something. But I think that was really with 17, 18 years, like the age uh, where I really was thinking, yeah, okay, I can get it really in pro sports. 
an amazing story and it's great to hear. And, you know, sticking on this topic of Germany and, your, you know, your history there, you know, Germany has a rich history in football. I'm not talking only like players. I'm talking, you know, philosophy, tactics and everything, you know, all of the above. But more recently, you know, players, you know, we have great players from Germany, you know, Jared Muller, Beckenbauer, you know, more recently, you know, Philip Lahm, Neuer, Thomas Muller. I'm curious, you know, from your own perspective, have you looked up to any of these great players and, you know, try to mold your game into one of theirs? I didn't really look up to one, but like a big hero for me was Bastian Schweinsteiger. I think the first year I came here, um, I was straight playing against him. And I think that was like one of my personal best things ever to play against him. I think he was the hero 2006 in the World Cup in Germany, 2010 in Brazil when we won the World Cup. Um, he was the big hero and I think that was just a guy where I was looking up just like as a fighter and especially when I was meeting him um, in my first year when he was playing for Chicago, I think that was one of the best days of my life. Yeah, and what a player he was, Kai. And I know he had a little bit of a weird time in the MLS, but it must have been insane just to share the field with him. You know, someone who you grew up watching and admiring. And I know you touched on this just a little earlier on your first professional contract, signing at 18 years old. And I did see that you had a pretty unique path on how you went pro. You bounced around some of the lower league teams and you rose up the ranks of German football with the likes of SSV Ulm, as well as the Wasburger Kickers. And I'm just a little curious, how did that help mold you into the player that you are today? And do you think it's more of an approach that more players in Germany should take in their pursuit of becoming a professional player and playing at the top level like you are? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say it's like really weird for me because I was playing like with eight in my first year in the fifth league. Then straight after one year, I went up to the fourth league. After one year, I went up like to the third league. So that was the thing where went like a little bit up and then I saw like that I have like chances and like they're also in the third league already really good players and really good teams and I think that could also help like a lot of guys when they just see my way and I'm talking to so many guys also like in Germany they call me they text me and asking just like they want to do the same way like me but I say always like it's not easy to have like a big step like this to just come to the U.S. It, it's far from home. It's like far away. And especially when I was like that young, come overseas um, was like a little bit different and but not difficult for me because I had my girlfriend with me at this time. So it was a little bit easier for me. But like just how many messages in the moment I get from a lot of players who are like in the fourth, third league in Germany and just asking you how is the MLS? How can I get there? And I said, ah, four years ago, probably it was easier than probably now. So probably now they don't want to have like third or fourth league player anymore. It's going up more like to the second and first league in Germany. Okay, that's amazing. Getting a little bit into Philadelphia. We know you arrived in February of 2019. And right away, you kind of emerged as a, as a top left back here in the MLS. Can you tell us the story of how you arrived to the Philadelphia Union? Did you get scouted out in there uh, in Europe? And as a two-part of that, if you could also just tell us how different every season has been for you, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, would you say it gets harder every season? Because I feel like the talent just gets better and better. No, I just want to start from the straight from the beginning. I think it was first got a phone call from another MLS club and, and then the conversation was like a little bit different. But then I heard like straight from Ernst Tanner, who know me like really well already there, 
back in 2019 because he was German. He he knew all the leagues in Germany. And he knew like the players there a little bit. So I had like a really really good conversation and where he showed me a way uh, which really fits me, which really uh, showed me how I want to play, how they want to change like a little bit the system, just about me to get me in there and to get me as much as I can involved. And I think you can see it like really the much uh, the last three years or the four years that like the system is like a lot about me. I think every year like almost the most assists in the team and the most chance created in every in every year. So I think uh, yeah, that was like a really quick conversation where I didn't have to think long. Um, I just said yeah, okay, I want to do it. My family was behind me, and I think that was a huge uh, step for me. But I think at the end. Um, Everybody was happy that I made it. And yeah, I think it came out like a lot of success. And just like for the second one, I think it was like straight at the beginning that I had no fear. I think that's one of the important things uh, of a player, like that you don't have fear. I mean, I was like really, really young, still at this age. And I had a lot of players which were like way older, but you don't have to show fear. Just go into, just try your best and get every training session all out and just make the other guy also proud. You first, when you get to a new team, you have to get like us first of all the coach into you, how you want to play and everything. But I think the first year was like already really good for me. Then a small stop came where I got injured, where I say today it was also like a little bit lucky that COVID came probably because I could recover better from my injury. And then we just had the bubble in Orlando. But I think it was for everybody a little bit weird to have like nine o'clock games in the morning and stuff like this. So it was like a little bit different for everybody. But just and then I was just like keep going from season to season. And I think I didn't, I never thought like that it could work like that good. But I think uh, I'm impressed a lot of guys. Yeah, absolutely, Kai. I think that's one thing we love about your game. You're fearless. We see how you defend against some of the bigger forwards and just your game you're yeah i mean it's very physical here in the mls so so we love that absolutely and kai is just as a follow-up to that of course we've had jim Curtin, uh your coach on our show he's been on with us twice and he's one of our favorite guests that we've had on you know in, in our time he gets a lot of praise for being one of the best coaches in the mls i just wanted to ask you what's been your experience with him and what are some characteristics that you feel make him such a great coach because he really is such a great guy I think it's making him a great coach that he has a lot of decisions like with his assistant coach too. Like he's listening to them too. And I think that's a lot of success for all of them. But I think Jim is just a guy who exactly plays his way, how he want to play and just really knows like each player, what's like his strength, where he has to work on. And that's what we try to get better every training session. But like I said, again, he also has no fear. He always say, okay, we still don't get like the respect what we should get probably from the league, like from everybody around the world. But we are the underdogs in the most of the time. And now I think after four seasons, I think we had the most points of all teams in the MLS. So I think he's a big point just of the success from the Philadelphia Union. And he's just like our first guy who's going like forward, who's telling us every game, like we have to do this, we have to do this. So I think he's just a great guy, a great coach, and I'm really happy to play under him. Yeah, Kai, he's one of the more brilliant minds in the league, in my humble opinion. And to be the second longest tenured coach in the MLS right now just shows the kind of work that he's done and the kind of precedent that he sets for himself and for his players. But ever since you joined this union side, uh, you've 
not only solidified the defense and become a stable at that left back, left wing back role, and you were part of one of the best defenses in the league last year. And you do contribute to the attack quite a bit. You know, that's one of the, the more appealing parts of your game. Like, you love watching that as, like, as a neutral. Because, you know, I've seen you guys burn my Red Bull side in playoffs. So, you know, I got to heap some praise. But I was just curious, did Coach Curtin help develop that aspect of your game, like moving forward and attacking and still being really good in terms of tracking back and staying solid defensively? Or is it just something that you've picked up on your time in Germany and just throughout your career, just something that you always had as a part of your game? And another little part, like second part of that question what role did Jim play in possibly helping you come to the union? Or I know you just praised uh, Ernst Tanner, who was an incredible sporting director. Or was it part of like a 50-50, you know? Or was it more Ernst Tanner? This is a little curious. No, I just, I just want to start like with the second question. At the beginning, I just spoke to Ernst because it was easy for me at this time to just speak like German with him. I mean, I had English in school, but my English was not that good that like I could speak like perfect English, how I can speak it now. And at the beginning, I was just talking um, to Ernst. I met Jim the first time when I flew over to America and uh, met him like straight down in Florida in preseason um, before I didn't talk to him. So it was just all about Ernst at the beginning. But like just for the first question, it was like, of course, like every coach want to get like the best out of you, want to be the best version of yourself but I think um, you have to do it yourself the most I think if a player knows that he's strong like in defending a lot of players think okay that's enough but for me it's always that I want to get like always like better in defending I always go forward want to go like from training session to training session if I lose a battle I want to win the next battle so that's always my version of myself and for me it's always like the point what a lot of people like forget that if I don't have like a lot of chance create in a game, I always forget what's like my uh, really position is. My first position is like defending that we keep the zero at the back. And I got off, get like sometimes a little bit criticism from people when they say, okay, Kai was not going enough forward, but I always forget like that my first part is defending. And I think I did like over the years now really, really well in defending too. And on both sides on the end, it's sometimes it's like a really, really hard job what a lot of people can't see because it's like running like over 90 minutes. Like you can't drop like a little bit your head down because like as a striker, you just maybe can breathe like for five minutes. As a defender, you always have to be right on point. If you do one mistake, it's a goal. So that's always my permission where I go like, okay, I want to get better each training session. Yeah, and it's honestly incredible to watch. I think Stephen Badisher had mentioned, which we had on the show a, a few episodes back, that to be a good attacking defender, you first got to be good at defending because you're a defender first, and then you build off of that and build it into your attack. So it's awesome to see that you even take that into training and take it into uh, every game. Awesome stuff, Kai. We saw that last year in August, you got selected to the 2021 MLS All-Star Game against the Liga MX team. Just wanted to ask you, what was that experience like? And what was it like being with the All-Stars? I mean, I'm sure it's probably a goal for you to be part of that MLS All-Star team again. The best of the best in MLS. Just what was that experience like for you? Yeah, of course, it was a really, really nice experience. I think it's just you can see like that you have done like a lot of things over the years, like really, really well. And just to come out from a third league in Germany where everybody said, okay, how can we get like a third league player uh, to play in MLS? And after two or three months, I got like a lot of messages where they said like, okay, sorry, 
my first intention of you was like wrong, but then to just see me like going to the All-Star game for me personally, just to fly to LA and be like with the best players of the MLS at this time was like one of two players from the Philadelphia Union with I think the best goalkeeper of the league, Andrew Blake, was just like a great experience. And of course, for me, my thing is to go like, of course, this year too, but it's always about like a voting so you can't handle it yourself. You just have to play good. You have to be the best version of yourself. And then and you can see like if they like you or if they don't like you. Yeah, that's very, very true. And Kai, it, I know it must always be an honor to, to represent your league as one of the best standout left backs. And I'm guessing that you're definitely going to be there, whether it's voting, whether it's the coach, you're going to be there this year. Trust me, your play just speaks for itself. But I'm going to bring up a date. And I want to see if you remember what game took place on that date of April 7th, 2021. The Saprisa Union game, man. And I remember watching this game much like I am right now at work. I was leaving my job. It was late over here. And you guys are winning 1-0 in Costa Rica. And towards the 99th minute, it looked like a football tackle out of nowhere from Ricardo Blanco. And just straight madness ensued afterwards and thankfully you weren't injured after such a reckless tackle just the craziest thing about that whole situation wasn't the way the physical play that sabrisa had on the night it wasn't the pushing and the shoving after the tackle it actually was the fact that he only got a yellow and i was thinking to myself like i know that that is a red card like anyone who could see that who doesn't even know soccer knows that it's a red card. And we've talked about the mental aspect of the game quite a bit on this show. And I'm just curious, if we know that it's a red card, I know that you must know that it's a red as well. And how do you control your emotions to not retaliate? Because if you retaliate, then you get the red card, not the opposing player. So I'm just a little curious, when it comes to those high tense situations, how do you calm yourself down to not retaliate, to not make it a bigger scene? And again, I don't know how he just got a yellow, dude. That was just, still to this day, I won't believe it. Nah, I, if I watch it, like, still today, um, I still can't believe how he got just out with a yellow card. But at this moment, you just have to try to keep calm. Um, because it will not help your team if you get, like, a red card and uh, you're just suspended for the next match or the next matches. So you just have to try to be calm. Sometimes it's, like, hard. But I think at the first moment, I just thought I got lucky. I saw him like a little bit coming from the side. So I could maybe like step a little bit away or like just a little bit uh, jump. But uh, at this moment, I just my first thinking was just I got really lucky in this moment. And I think it's not just this tackle. I think I had like this season already like three really bad tackles against me where it should be like a straight red card. Um, referees just apologized after the games like for our team and... Uh, I don't know, like we have a VRR, which is a good thing, what I think sometimes, but like at this moment, it's just a thing where you have to see it, where you have to send guys off because it's like just dangerous for a player. It's dangerous. It can cost your career. It can cost you the whole season. So now I think at this, in this moment, the VRR has to work better. And, but the first thing in this moment is just, I got really lucky at this moment. Oh, thank you for that insight, Kai. And thankfully, you know, everything came out all right. It's kind of shifting to more local, you know. When people think of Philly, you know, you think of the disappointing 76ers or how bad the Phillies and Eagles are, or I don't even, you know, Philly cheese sticks, whatever it may be. But the Union have been one of the more consistent MLS teams over the last couple of years. And quite honestly, in my 
personal opinion, I think they're a very strong contender to win it all this year. What's the soccer culture like in Philly? You know, should more people be switching over and watching this Philadelphia Union side? Yeah, I said it. I said it at the beginning. I think they still don't get like the respect from the league, but I think we still don't get like all the respect from Philadelphia too. I think Philadelphia is still a city where it's like all about football, baseball, and uh, basketball. But I think if you just see like the last four seasons uh, from the Philadelphia Union, where it was like just like up the whole time, where you can just see like we are winning that many games, like uh, probably never won before. So you can see that like the hype is in the city getting like bigger, but still not the hype what it should get. Probably it's also like a little bit the problem that the stadium is like so far away from the city, but still. Um, you can see the hype gets better. Like a lot of people are already like starting to talk about us, but I don't know how it is or how it will be in the future. But I think uh, we deserve much more credit than we get. I can only see it going up from here. Honestly, I think Philly are, are due for a championship and I can definitely see it happening this year. Honestly, the Phillies and Eagles will stay awful. The 76ers and beat is leaving and Harden is just fat. So that's not happening. <laughs> so I think I think the union definitely is going to bring that trophy to that city. They're going to bring a parade championship parade for sure. But shifting a little bit over to your, your, you as a player, you know, you've been touted as one of the best left backs in the league. What do you think are some of the key traits that make you stand out among the rest? In my personal opinion, you are top two left backs in the league and you're not number two in my own opinion. And apart from being the best, in my opinion, and, you know, being such a great left back, what are some of the toughest opponents you face? You know, just players you hate to face off against. I think if you have players who are like really fast and who are like really skillful, it's like probably the hardest point. But for me, it's it doesn't matter which player is coming to me. I always I just have to be the best version of myself. And I'm a guy who want to like straight attack, like really high. Don't let the guy already trouble on me and... I think one of the toughest uh, players in the league is probably uh, Carlos Vela. When we just played against him, he's like skillful. He know he has like so much talent. He's like really good on the ball. He can play a final pass. He can shoot like from almost everywhere. I think he's like a, a guy who is like to defend like really really hard. But I think you just have to be the best version of yourself. You have to win like the duels, and uh, if you. On my opinion, it's always like if you win the first duel of the game, then you will have a good game. If you lose the first duel of the game, then it will be like probably like a hard start in the game or it will be like not a good game. But for me, it's like I have to deliver every game just for myself that I'll be happy at the end of the game. I can't say after the game, okay, that was okay game. Then I'm not satisfied. I want to have a good game and then I can go happy home, be good to my family, be like happy with my family. Then it will be for everybody better. Than to have a bad game. I love that. I freaking love that. It's all about mentality. You clear that first ball, you make that tackle against that winger, you know you're going to have a good game the rest of the game. Love that. And hey, Kai, we're wrapping it up soon. One of my last questions, Kai, is, you know, we're seeing a lot of superstars coming into the league. We just saw LAFC announcing Gareth Bale coming from Real Madrid, Insigne coming to Toronto, Cellini coming to LAFC. Like, I could keep going on and on. I wanted to ask you just, you know, as a player with the Philadelphia Union, what makes the MLS so appealing, so attractive? And could you see it in five years, just keep growing and growing in your own words? Yeah, of course. I think you see it like already four years I'm here that it grows like a lot. 
at the beginning, everybody just said, okay, it will be a retirement league. All the guys who are like done with their career will just want to come to the MLS. But if you just see like Lorenzo Insigne, who signed just for Toronto FC now, is still like in a good age where he can play five, six more years. Gareth Bale is coming to league like, it's crazy with five uh, Champions League titles in his career um, is coming to the MLS or Chiellini, who is probably at the end of his career for sure. But like just the league gets like so much more credit over the last years. And I can't see like a stop or why it should stop like the next year. So I think the league will just grow and just get bigger from year to year. And Kai, we can't let you go without asking you. We're in a World Cup year, 2022, Qatar, and we know Germany's in there. I wanted to ask you, you know, how are you feeling for the upcoming World Cup with Germany? How are you feeling overall for the upcoming end of the year? I feel good. I think we had, we have like a much better national team right now than we had like two years ago. I think the biggest part what we're still missing is like a striker what we had in Miroslav Klose probably a couple of years ago. But I think that's the only position what is like really, really missing for the German national team. But I think just happy how they developed over the last two years, especially like with the new coach, Hansi Flick now. I think he's doing a really, really good job. And no, I'm really happy. Can't wait to watch like the German national team in Qatar. Yeah, Kai, before we let you go, I just want to take two fan questions. When, when it comes to training, Kai, what is your least favorite and your most favorite drills? And then the second question, you can answer them in any order. If the season ended today and it was LAFC versus the Philadelphia Union, Who's taking the first penalty kick and who's taking the last penalty kick for the Philadelphia Union? These are just two fun questions that we wanted to ask before we let you go. I think I'll start with the second one. I think tough question. I think the first one will be probably Daniel Gastak, who is like our penalty shooter who takes like all the penalties. I think I would be probably in the middle and at the fifth position, I think it would be probably Julian Carranza, who scored also like already a penalty kick. And the other question is just like, I think the least drill in the training is like probably the warm-ups. I really, really hate the warm-ups. Sometimes it's just like takes too long and you're already like sometimes like really, really dead after warm-ups already. And the best tools is just if you can go like get like in some matchups with like your teammates, you can show like sometimes it's like a little bit fun about. But often in training, it's just about like to get the intensity in to uh, win already like the training games and I think if you just like have good matchups with your teammates good defending good offensive two goal already I think that's the best rules of the training session yeah Kai absolutely I think the worst feeling is warming up in this heat but Kai we want to say thank you so much for coming on with us thank you for answering all our questions we'll definitely keeping an eye on the Philadelphia Union a legitimate contender here in the Eastern Conference I think you guys could really go all the way if you guys keep playing the way you are we look up to Jim Kern a lot so Thank you so much, Kai, and we'll be keeping an eye on you. Thank you so much for everything. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, that was the interview with Kai Wagner. Vasi, we're on it with me, man. What you think of Kai? And let's start getting out of here, man. Oh, I can finally cross off. We got an all-star on, on the pod, you know? That's incredible. But, you know, in all seriousness, he was an incredible man, a family man. His work ethic and his talent just speaks for itself on the field. Uh kind of a man of few words i know english is his second language but it was a great interview and some great insight and i hope all the listeners enjoyed what he had to say and what a better person to have on than john john if i'm not mistaken was kai the first guest that you had on the do podcast or i think your first video that's a good point out by Evas. so my first ever player signing video for dupe by the river back in 2019 was kai wagner 
yeah, Warsburg kickers. I remember that very vividly. And I just felt like he was going to be good. Like I, I didn't know what it was because there wasn't a big tracker. I mean, we're talking the third division of German soccer. So yeah, it was fun. And of course, uh, we had Marco Fabian signing after that. It was it was a fun year, the first year covering the union. And uh, crazy to see where Kai has come. You know, we did not know what to expect from him that year. And for him to turn out to be essentially a top five fullback in this league and essentially hopefully being sold to Europe soon, you know, for his career, I think he deserves that. So it's really cool to see. It's, to me, it's very gratifying seeing where these players are going. Oh, that's awesome, John. Now we want to say thank you so much for coming out with us, man. I hope it's not the last time. Where can the fans find you? Shout out your handles, man. And yeah, let's start getting out of here. Well, thank you for the soccer sub. It's always fun coming on here. But yeah, guys, if you guys are in the need of Philadelphia Union talk, we do all Philly sports talk here. You guys can find me, El Parcero Philly. We're available on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. Find me under El Parcero Philly. So we do unique content all week, essentially. We do match previews, match recaps, breaking news. Um, if you are a Philly sports fan, we do talk Eagles, Sixers, Phillies, and Flyers as well. We're Philly sports, 365, 24-7, all of the above. So thank you to Soccer Subs Podcast for allowing this Barcelona to come on. And then hopefully, yes, no, you know what? Not hopefully. We will be back on the Soccer Subs Podcast. Absolutely, man. We'll, I'll see you on the next one. No, thank you so much. Look, you mentioned the all-star players. My MLS all-star for reporting is John Zapata del Parcero Philly. So thank you for joining us today. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that, Christian. To the fans, thank you guys so much for your support. Episode 67 is a wrap. We'll be in Nashville next week. We'll be back next week talking the New York Derby. And so much to get into. We want to see Wayne Rooney's debut for DC United. Hopefully we'll see a Gareth Bale debut, a Chiellini debut. So much to get into. So we'll see you guys next week for episode 68. Give us a follow on Soccer Sales Podcast on Instagram. And we'll see you guys next week. Everyone take care. (laughs) 